It's good to see you, everybody. Y'all doing good today? Good. Good. I hope you had a, I hope you had a good day at school. Um, if you don't know, we're in a series called What is Love? Help me out. Everybody say, what is love? We've been talking about love, sex, dating, relationships. I can't say sex in church? Jeez. Thought we were all mature. Last week, my parents were here. We did a Q&A, and that was fun. But now, I want to preach to you about some of this stuff because we need some truths on this topic. And we pick these lights up a little more? I like to see people. I can't see anybody. Everybody clap twice. They're clap on lights. There we go. A little more. Come on, jeez. There we go. There we go. There we go. Um, anyway, who knows one friend that's just like in a relationship and you're like, that is not a good relationship for them. Y'all don't know one friend that's like that? Who, raise your hand if you're in a relationship and you're like, I'm in a bad relationship. <laughs> I love your honesty. So, uh, all right, all right, let's run it back in. Everybody say, I'm listening. One more time, I'm listening. So, uh, I was praying about like, what do I talk about, about this um, subject? And you know, two years ago when COVID hit, I kind of preached a version of what I'm going to talk to you about and I, real, I was so mad because when COVID hit, we had to shut down. And so I never really got to preach these messages. And I got to give credit to where credit's due. Some of what I'm about to say is from this book I read when I was 19. Here's how it happened. When I was 19 years old, I was way too into the wrong girl. Anybody ever been way into the wrong girl? Anybody currently way too into the wrong girl? I could raise a couple of y'all's hands, but your girl's here. Nah, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> so... God, God don't do this to me often, but he gave me this dream, and the dream scared the daylights out of me. I was like, oh, gosh. So at 19, I wanted to know everything that I could about what the Bible said about relationships and marriage and dating and all that. And this series is a result. So the title of my sermon today is Myths, Lists, and Steps. Everybody say myths, lists, and steps. Let's start with lists. You know it. You have a list. In your list, you have a, uh, in your head, you have a list of your perfect person. And some of y'all's lists are ridiculous, okay? First of all, if your list is like, he has to be at least six foot something. First of all, ouch, okay? To all of us, you're rude. And some of y'all, no, I'm seriously, some of y'all, y'all construct these lists of people that don't exist, okay? I just want you to know right now. Lower your standards. You're not going to get that person. He's not out there, okay? Some people are like, I just want a man with LeBron James's body, Steve Jobs' brain, um, Johnny Depp's skin tone, and Jesus' heart, <laughs> and Satan's charm, okay? Just kidding. Josh, shut up. <laughs> it's not, okay, I'm serious. People's lists are ridiculous. And it's, it's funny because you know, you know what happens. We have these lists. We meet these people, and ooh, there's just this chemistry. There's this attraction. I like this person. And they're all you can think about. You're really, like, digging this person, and it's amazing until it's not. It just, I don't know what happens, but you just don't, you don't see them the same way. And then you like, anybody ever like, you even start roasting your ex. You're like, pull up their social media. Like, Can you believe I dated him? This pig. I can't believe I ever went out with him. Or you pull up, I'm serious. 
That's it's bad, but when I was y'all's age, I would roast exes too. Just to, I think it makes you feel better. It's not healthy, but you're like, can you believe I dated her? She's so tall. She'd be, she'd be five foot with a regular neck, but her neck is so large. I I made that joke yesterday, and I picked it because I was hoping not many people would be insecure about their neck. If you're insecure about your neck, you have a lovely neck. Tell your neighbor you have a lovely neck. Y'all are weird. Okay, so here's the thing. We have these people, right? We're like, oh, I like this relationship. And then it tanks. And then we're all sad. And at this point, everybody say at this point, normally either somebody will come up to you or you'll come up to somebody. You'll put your arm around them and you'll say something to the extent of like, it's all right. The right one will come along and everything will work out. Some, raise your hand if you've ever told a friend, like, some version of that. Hey, it's all right. You'll meet the right person, and it'll all work out. Now, hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Listen to me. A lot of Christians talk about, like, does God have one right person for your life? Some people believe yes. Some people believe no. Whatever you believe in this series is not going to change what I'm about to say. Regardless of what you believe, I need you to understand a myth, Okay. Everybody say, okay. The myth isn't that there's a right person out there for you. The myth is that when I find the right person, everything will work out. That is not true. But we live our life thinking like, oh, when I find the right person, it'll, everything will just take care of itself. No. And there's nothing wrong with looking for the right person. What's the alternative? You know, looking for the wrong person? No. You got to look for the right person. But there is everything, 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 everything wrong with assuming that, oh, when I meet Ignacio, everything is just going to work out. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's about to get real, and I'm sorry because it's going to totally change the mood. Raise your hand if you know somebody, like your parents. Let's just say this. If either your parents or you have an uncle or an aunt who is or has been divorced. Look at that. Listen to me. And I'm not, I'm not, put your hands down. Every day, every day people look into the eyes of their lover at the altar, and they say, I do. Yet here's the divorce rates for you. You ready for this? 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 67% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Every day, people think they're marrying the love of their life. Yet these are, it's just the facts. And you know it. Y'all saw how many hands went up. It's just a fact of life. Why does this happen? Because we buy into this myth. Everybody say myth. That meant when I meet the right person, it'll all just work out. That's a lie. But let me tell you the truth. It's not enough to find the right person. You have to become the right person. Everybody say it's not enough to find the right person. You must become the right person. I got a lot to say, but this is the backbone of the series. See, we have our list, and we have some shallow things on our list. Like, they have to look this, their hair has to look like this. And then we got some serious stuff, like they better love God. They better be faithful to me. And the list aren't bad, but let me tell you what's really bad. It's bad when you demand from somebody else what you haven't developed in yourself. Like, like, yeah. I don't know who you are, but you're excited about that. When you go around thinking they need to have this, they need to have this, how do you stack up to your checklist? 
It's, it's not about finding, it's about becoming. It's, isn't there something hypocritical about wanting somebody, something in somebody that you haven't even developed in yourself? Jesus thought so. Look at Luke 7, 4. He says this. You got the underline part. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that? Huh? Is it up there yet? Give our media people a hand clap. They work so hard. This is what the Bible says. You ready? It says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? Everybody say speck. When you can't see past the, anybody know it? The log. I thought y'all knew it. I was like, you're so smart. No, it's up there. When you can't see past the log, translation, don't demand something from someone that you haven't developed in yourself. Don't be like, he don't even treat me like a queen if you don't treat him like a king. But, and before you get too crazy, don't be like, she don't even respect me if you don't respect her. Don't. Y'all too easy to rile up. Listen, man, I'm serious. How do you measure up to your own checklist? We can't demand stuff from people because we're so set on finding the right person that we don't develop it in ourselves because we don't want to become the right person. Good relationships are relationships where people say, I'm going to become the right person, not where they say, you better become the right person. That's how good relationships are. So I'm going to give you a couple things to remember. I got a lot to say. I'm going to try to say it uh, quick. Here's the first thing, man. So many people, I just said it, they stand at the altar. They're like, I promise, I love you, blah, 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 blah. And then they get divorced. And it begs the question. It makes you ask, was what all these people felt not real? Like, was it not real? Did they? No, it was real. But here's what I need you to know. What I feel is real, but it's not reliable. And this is what I mean. What you feel with people when it's like, mm, I can't stop thinking about them. That's real. But that feeling is not reliable when figuring out if this is somebody that it's really going to work out with long term. It's real, but it's not reliable. So even if you promise it's going to work out, let me, let me just talk to you real quick about the premise of a promise, okay? Everybody said the premise of a promise. I was going to leave this part out, but I'm not, okay? Everyday people look at each other and they promise to be faithful in marriage. And then a lot of times they divorce. And I, I don't want to throw shade at people that are divorced. It's, it's sad, but because none of y'all are married, I'm going to try to help us not avoid, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to help us avoid that. So listen, most people, I know, I messed up. Most people are making promises they're not prepared to keep. And this is, this is what baffles me. We approach getting married unlike anything else in life. We approach getting married thinking that a promise can replace preparation. But how absurd is that? What if you were the, like a football coach of a team and some guy came up to you and he's like, sir, I've never prepared to be a quarterback, but I promise you I will lead us to the state championship. You'd be like, sit down. No, you would not cheer for him. <laughs> I like his motivation. No, you'd be like, sit down. Or if somebody, if you were in a car, okay, and the car starts smoking, so you pull to the side. And then some guy comes wobbling up. He's like, pop the hood. Are you a mechanic, sir? Mm -mm. 
Never prepared to be a mechanic, but let me dig around in there. I promise I'll fix it for you. You wouldn't trust him. It'd be absurd to, to think that a promise could replace preparation, but we do it all the time. A promise can't replace preparation. And dating is where you go to prepare to keep your promises. Listen, if they have not prepared, everybody say prepared. If they ain't prepared to be patient with you before you get married, don't think that just because they promise they'll do it, it's going to happen. It doesn't work like that. If they haven't prepared to support you, don't think that just because they promise they'll be prepared to do it later. If they haven't prepared to, you know, walk in purity for God, don't think that those habits just go away one day because you get married. Dating is where you prepare to keep promises. And honestly, a promise shouldn't mean that much. A promise, please listen. When someone promises you something, how do you know if you can really trust it? Because a lot of people promise stuff in dating and then you get burned or you burn them. So I'm going to show you how you can really know if you can trust a promise. I'm going to look at three things. I'm going to go real quick from Proverbs 14, 15. This is the only scripture I'm using, but it's going to lay the foundation. Listen, Proverbs 14, 15 says this. Is it up there? All right, y'all got the underlying part. The foolish believe anything. Mm, I've seen some foolish people that believe some anything in relationships. Baby, I love you. Shut up, Ignacio. Okay. <laughs> The foolish believe anything, but the wise. give thought to their wise people look at steps. What do steps show you? Steps show you where you've been, and steps also show you where you're going. Wise people look at where they and other people have been. Wise people look at where they and other people are going. So if you want to know if it's wise to trust somebody First off, look at where they've been, because when it comes to relationships, remember this, number one, a past speaks louder than a promise. Everybody say, a past speaks louder than a promise. And we know this in every area of life. For instance, if somebody just has a past of lying, would it be wise to trust them? Would it be unwise to trust them? We're going to try that again. Would it be unwise to trust them? Yes, it would be unwise to trust them. If somebody has a past of being irresponsible, are they the one that you want to feed your dog when you're out of town? Only if you hate your dog and want it to starve. But other than that, no, because we know you got to look at people's past to see if you can really trust their promise. So when you flip it to love, sex, dating, relationships, it's the same thing. Listen to me. Until you let God address your past, people have every right to doubt what you promise. And until you let, until other people let God fix their past, you have every right to doubt what they promise you. And don't hear me. I'm not just talking like about a sexual past. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this. If they've been nothing but selfish, like you know them, they, they're kind of a selfish person, but they look at you like, baby, I'll change for you. Their promise shouldn't mean that much. If they've had nothing but outbursts of anger, but they're like, baby, I'll be so gentle for you. No, I promise. No, you don't. I don't care about your promise. Why? Because a past speaks louder than a promise, and wise people consider steps. Where you just been? Because if I look at where you've been, I can normally tell where you're going. Now, this sounds harsh. I mean, like, Pastor G, God doesn't look at our past. Yes, he does. But he's able to forgive you from it and redeem you from it if you let him. So what I'm not saying is if you, you know, you have, you're selfish or you've messed up or anything. I'm not saying you're doomed or God can't forgive you. 
Here's, here's the second thing I'm saying. This is what you need to do. This is what everybody needs to do. You need to take present steps seriously so that your past begins to back up your promise. Think about it. If you presently are making the right steps, then after a while, your present becomes your good. So if you're like, I've already messed up, that's okay. Take your present step seriously so that your past begins to back your promise. Put it like this. Let me give a real relevant example, okay? Say there's a seven, anybody 17-year-olds old in here? Cool. Say a 17-year-old, some of y'all, you're like four. Okay. Me, I'm 17. Okay. Say a 17-year-old is dating this girl. Let's, let's say she's your little sister. You're like, already no, nah, where's the yes? Yeah, square up. No, this, this 17-year-old boy is dating your little sister. Okay, I don't know what y'all heard. That's what I said, okay? And let's assume that he cheats on your sister. Now, what if, what if he looks at you not, not you. I don't know why you're here. You're not in it. He looks at your sister and he's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. Should she trust him? Okay. Because, because his past doesn't back his promise. But now, let's say that he takes his present step seriously. So he messes up at 17. You know what? 17 is hard sometimes. So he's like, you know what? I screwed up. That was stupid. So he takes his present seriously. And so for the next I don't know, three years. He's like, you know, I need to get my head on straight. So from 17 to 18, 18 to 19, 19 to 20, he's like, nah, I'm going to get my head on right. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going I'm to really try to do this thing right. And then he looks at somebody who's like, nah, nah, nah. At 20 years old, he's like, yeah, I did that. It was stupid, but I'm different. Would you believe him more now? Why? Because he took his present step seriously, and now his past actually backs his promise. So what I'm telling you and everybody in here, you know what you need to do so that when you promise somebody something one day, they actually believe you? Take your present step seriously so that your past backs your promise. Now, lastly, we're talking about steps, right? And we talked about how they show where you've been, they can show where you are, and then lastly, you already filled in the blank. Steps also show where you are going, okay? This is going to be real practical, and I'm not going to stay here very long. Um, but steps don't just indicate where you've been, they, they show your direction. This could be spiritual, but it also has to be very practical, very logical, okay? Some of you, you know, you may not have like a, a, a crazy past, like, oh, I dealt drugs in the sixth grade, okay? That's fine, like, we're not all like that. But just because you don't have a past doesn't mean like you have a real direction for your life, and it's not even bad. It's because you're like in, in, in sixth grade or seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, don't matter. So the last thing I want you to know, number three, is when it comes to relationships, you need a reliable past, but you also need a plan for the future. Was it underlined? Proud of y'all. You need a plan for the future. Now let me just say this, because this is practical and I'm not gonna stay here long. But like at this age, I know parents have a lot to say about dating. Let's let's do an experiment. Whose parents will let you date whose parents let you date in junior high? Whose parents let you date in high school? Who <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Whose parents you think they ain't never going to let you date? I feel bad for you. I was in your shoes, but it's okay. Okay, listen. Let me just, let me just, listen. In high school, everybody say in high school. High school. Say in junior high. 
You don't always know what direction your life is going to go. You don't know, like, where you're going to be. You don't know, like, what you're going to do. You don't know all this stuff, and it's not your fault. You're just young. So while it's not necessarily wrong to date at your age, what I'm telling you is it's smart not to take anything too seriously because you're still trying to figure out your direction. You're still trying to figure out where you're going. It's almost like this. This is a weird example. But if you were to bet on a baseball game or a football game or a sports game, you would have better luck dating later on in the game because later on in the game, you would have more knowledge about the situation. You know what I'm saying? So in the same way, sometimes it's helpful to not get too serious about things until you have more knowledge about your situation. If I'd have dated, if I'd have married who I wanted to in pick a grade, sixth through twelfth. No, I'm not gonna like sit here and be like, sixth grade? Oh, Jennifer. I'm not gonna do that. I was just saying any of them. Stop! If I'd have married who I thought at y'all's age, no. So let me end with this, okay? Why should you focus on, everybody say one more time, become the right person. Why should you focus on becoming the right person? I'm just going to end with this little bit of practical advice. When your goal is more preparing to become the right person, then you actually dramatically increase your chances of finding that person. Why? Because you notice anybody who's preparing for the same thing as you. Let's just say you're trying to get swole, right? Just like uh, like Josh Long. And uh, if somebody who's swole walks in the room, you automatically what? Notice it. Like, huh, hi. Some of y'all notice it anyway because you're thirsty. But you automatically notice it. And you, why? Because when you're preparing, you notice people who are preparing the same thing for you. So if you're preparing to become the right person, what's going to happen eventually is you're going to notice other people who are preparing to become the right person. Or let me say it like this. Anybody, like you got a car, your parents got a car, and then all of a sudden, you started noticing that car everywhere, and it's like, what? They have this car? They have this car? What happened? Did everybody just magically start buying the same car? No, but because you had it, you now noticed it, and it's the same way. When you have the essential quality of becoming the person, then you start to notice other people who have that quality of becoming the person. I don't want you to end like this girl I heard about. Her name was Denise. Everybody say Denise. Okay. This is, this is a story that will, I hope, stick with you. Some of you might remember. I told you two years ago. Denise grew up in a Christian home. She loved God, believed in God. But when she went off to college, uh, she kind of did her own thing. It wasn't like, you know, she renounced her faith or anything like that. But she just wasn't living for God, like, as a main priority in her life. And that carried on to her dating life. So she went off to college. She started dating and just started dating like the world's way. Wasn't really a big deal. And nothing terrible happened. It wasn't like she accidentally got pregnant. It wasn't like she accidentally was heartbroken beyond all repair. No, she just, you know, in her heart, she was even still a Christian. But this one day, she went to this little get together and she met this guy named Mitchell. Mitchell. Name a, name a whiter name than Mitchell. I'll wait. Connor. Tanner. Okay. Stop. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I know. Okay. So she meets this guy, right? And she meets this guy, and she just thinks he is the total package. He's funny. 
He loves the Lord. And that's like the thing she really knows. He loves the Lord. Like he's, he's just all sold out for God. He's handsome, funny, kind, caring, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? I've got to get to know him. Well, Christmas break came, so she flew back home because she was at college. And anyway, she was with her mom, and she was just folding laundry with her mom, having a good time. And finally, she was like, okay, I'm going to tell my mom about this guy I met and this guy I'm really into. So finally, she starts telling mom, I met this guy. His name is Mitchell. This, that, and the others just explaining, beaming with excitement, so excited, so excited, so excited. And her excitement ends in an instant because her mom looks at her. And says, honey, the problem is that a guy like that isn't interested in a girl like you. This, I'm not, I'm not making this story up. This is a real story that happened in college. And Denise said that she just sat on the floor and started crying. Because Denise lived her whole life not developing herself, but she wanted to find the right. And we all do that. If we're not careful, we'll start demanding from someone something we haven't developed. So she'd been living her life however she want, but now all of a sudden, oh, there's this guy. He loves God. He'll be faithful to me. He's awesome. He has a good, oh, I want that. Well, okay, he doesn't want you. And her mom let her know. But had she been becoming the right person, she would have been ready when the right person came along. Listen, I know that sounds harsh, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. The myth is, oh, when I find the right person, it'll all work out. The truth is, it's not enough to find the right person. You have to become the right person. Everybody say, become the right person. The next two weeks, or something like that, we're going to dive into what this means even more. I'm warning you, next week, we're going to talk about sex and like how the Bible views it and why it's you know, a godly thing and how it should be used. So if your parents don't want you knowing that, stay home, I guess. I don't know. It's nothing inappropriate, but I'm excited. And then after that, the next next week, we're going to talk about what it really looks like to love people, not just in a relationship, but your friends, your parents, like just really what does godly love look like? So put it on your calendar. Be here. I promise the rest of the series is going to be really good. But the backbone of it is this. We don't need to just find right people. We need to become right people. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you that these students, Lord, have a heart to become more and more like you every day. God, that these students aren't content to just go through life and you know, hope to find someone but not develop themselves and not develop into the person you're calling them to be. God, just soften their hearts so that they really do see the importance of conforming to the image of Christ and, Lord, in, in relationships, attracting people who do the same. Okay, before we leave, you keep your head bowed, keep your eyes closed. I want to ask you just two quick questions. Every time we're here, I give you the opportunity um, to make sure that you really have your life uh, with God right, that it's, you know, in, in a good place. Because sometimes you come in here, I don't know if you really take your walk with God seriously or if you really know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, but I don't want you to leave without knowing that. So I got two questions. Here's the first one. If you're in here today and you're like, yeah, Pastor G, I'm not even sure that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm not sure that if I were to take my last breath today, if I'd be in heaven with Jesus or not, 
but I know that I need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you in here and you say, yeah, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. And on the count of three, would you just raise your hand right where you are? One, two, three. Awesome. I see that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Cool. If you're in here and you say, Pastor G, at one point I was following God, but I haven't been living for God like I know that I should. And I know that I need to take this more seriously. I know that I need to recommit my life to him today. If that's you, you said, yeah, I, I need to start a new chapter, turn a new page. I need to recommit my life to God. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's do this. Would you put your hand on your heart? And everybody repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Thank you for loving me when I didn't care about you. Thank you for running me down when I was running away. Make me new. And if I fall, give me the grace to get back up. Put people in my path who will lead me to you. I believe that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, give a hand clap to the people who prayed that prayer.